So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Ease Conversations. Thanks a lot to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie, Zach. Zach, you absolutely killed it on there, and we look forward to having you on again down the road. Time for episode 115 of Easy Conversations. I'm extremely excited, of course, to be back in the studio virtually with the homie Matt. So it's up to the people. What's going on, everybody? Hope you're having a great day right now. I'm excited for today's episode. We're going to be doing another list. And those are some of my favorite, one of my favorite formats. Um, Eric, why don't you tell everybody what kind of list we're going to make tonight? Absolutely. So yeah, I know another classic list format that we uh, always seem to have a good time with. And I think this one will be no exception there. So we're going to be doing our top five action movie protagonists list. Kind of saw it as a, a foil almost to our Every Hero Needs a Villain episode way back in 2020 when we listed off our five, some of our favorite um, antagonists in films. So now we're doing the flip side to that with some protagonists, but focusing specifically on action movies. And I went back and listened to that episode we did with Bassam actually. And a lot of the villains that I took or a few that we all took actually were from big franchises, especially like Marvel movies as well, which for me in making my list, I tried to stay away from those. I was last made a last minute switch up for one of mine. So I'm excited to get through those and highlight some um, traditional, I guess, action movie heroes while steering clear from the sometimes supernatural, but no right or wrong answers here. Just saying that was my thought process and how I made my list. How was making the list for you, Matt? Was it a difficult or did names like jump out right away for you? Making my list, it would have been very difficult if I included every single thing, like you, like what you said. Like I, I didn't include any Marvel, DC, giant, like any sci-fi or fantasy. I went more like traditional action, like down on the streets and like more realistic, I guess. Even though none of these movies, you'll see the, that my action here are are very like larger than life. But anyways, it was pretty easy to make once I eliminated a bunch of other ones. So uh, no, I'm satisfied with my list. It's very like. Well, I'll get into it when I announce my first pick. But no, it was very easy to make for me. Okay, nice. Yeah, mine, uh, obviously, kind of like you, I, I trimmed some of them, like reduced the scope, I guess, of movies to choose from. I still end up ended up taking from movies that are like, like, kind of fantasy, like have fantastical elements to them, but no superheroes. Like, obviously, I would have liked to have, like, if you're going to superheroes, real quick, I'll just throw in there, like Iron Man, Batman... Mm. And I like, just for the simple reason that this actor plays the character so well, Wolverine always stands mm. out to me in terms of a cool character that the funny lines and has great action sequences and an interesting arc as well. So like those are three I would have looked at, but I omitted them for making my list. So in saying that, I can kick us off with our list, Matt. And this one like is kind of questionable, which is why I want to get it out of the way first, because it is from straight up a fantasy trilogy. And I'm going to go with Aragorn from Lord of the Rings here. I think now that you might, hey, if you want to debate this one with me, by all means, go for it. But when I think of all time protagonists, he is one for me in for a lot of the reasons that I listed earlier for the superheroes. Very cool, heroic, great leader, has awesome fight scenes and is um kind of a troubled character as well that has issues with like moral morality and accepting what he's supposed to be based on expectations that people have from him because of his lineage 
and uh, you kind of see him struggle through becoming who he's meant to be, which is the king of Gondor and the man who will bring balance to the force, if you will. And I just love his journey from um, Ranger Dunedain Ranger to end up being the king in the end and is a, a mentor and a guardian kind of to all of our hobbits, the leader of the fellowship in a sense. I uh, He's the one I have the least really prepared to speak on. That's why I wanted to get this one out of the way early. But Aragorn for me is one of my favorite protagonists and would be doing a disservice to leave him off my list. So that, that'd be my first pick. It's a fantastic pick, Eric. He would have made my list, if, but I didn't decide to include any fantasy. Aragorn may may have been my number one, really, because Viggo Mortensen portrays him perfectly. What a badass in the fight scenes, the quotes, everything about him exudes leadership. Mm-hmm. And can we just take a moment and say how badass Viggo Mortensen, the actor, is doing all his own stunts? As great as a horseback rider as anyone on set, as told by the people like filming it, just as good as the stuntmen. Parries a knife with his sword during the Uruk- uh, during the Lurts fight scene in the first one. Did that for real. Among many other moments like that, like people have told stories about Vigo and his mystique and his overall badassness. He is Aragorn. Love that actor. Um, great, great pick, Eric. Love Thanks, it. Man. I'm going to go with my number five now. Completely different. Like I said, my list is very based on these action movies I just devoured when I was a teenager. All these people on my list are movies. All the heroes on my list are from movies that I've binge-watched as kid, as a teenager and were very impressionable to me and are super like iconic, in my opinion, in the action movie genre. But anyways, my number five is John McClane, play, played by Bruce Willis in the Die Hard franchise. Die Hard 1 is one of my favorite action movies. Super rewatchable. I even like Die Hard 2, Die Hard 3. Four, five is not very good, but the strength of the first four movies, I had to include them. Super quotable in the first one, like just great, just a great character, a cop puts into, put into like, just thrown into the situation in the first one and has to save the day. This is the definition of like an action hero in my opinion. Um, But yeah, John McClane's my number five. What are your thoughts, Eric? Yeah, love that pick. John McClane too. One of my favorites, like Die Hard for me is one of my favorite Christmas movies and action movies in general. And super quotable, like you said, like a quote that all, I think I've already said this on the pod there, but I'll repeat myself. When he's on the roof with um, Hans, who's pretending to be Bill Clay, and then McLean hands him a gun, and then he holds him at gunpoint, and then Hans Gruber actually goes to shoot John, and then you see that there are no bullets in the gun, and then John takes the gun from him. No bullets. What do you think of fucking stupid Hans? Like, that always kills me. And that's the beauty of Die Hard, and a big, obviously major factor of that is Bruce Willis as John McClane is it still hits every single time. All these lines I've heard, like, probably close to a dozen times at this point, they still make me laugh. And it's in large in part due to Bruce Willis's... um, charismatic portrayal of uh, john mcclain and i love that pick he's he really make obviously makes the movies the main characters are actually mm-hmm. protagonists so so good yeah and i actually haven't seen 
any of the other Die Hard movies other than Live Free or Die Hard, which okay. is actually the first time I was introduced to the Die Hard franchise. I hadn't even seen the first one. I saw Live Free or Die Hard in like 2007 wow. or whatever that would have been. I remember we rented it at uh, Rogers. Yeah. I remember not hating the movie. I thought I was fine. But is that the one with Justin Long, first of all? Just making sure I'm not getting mixed up. Okay, yeah, yeah, it was that one. And then I might have seen a scene from the the fifth one, or if there's a sixth one, I'm not sure, playing on TV, and it just looked god-awful. But yeah, Die Hard, classic. Yeah, the fifth one's terrible, and the, the first three, like, three is the second best one, undisputably. Mm. Then it goes one, three, four, two, five. That's the order of goodness. Interesting. I actually have, like, this, I got this for Christmas for my parents, is the Die Hard movie series collection up until, mm. I think, the fourth one. Maybe the fifth. Maybe it's all of them. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how um, old the series is, but I definitely have to check them out then. Um, the, I know there's one yeah. with Jeremy Irons that they say is pretty solid. Like he plays Hans's cousin yeah. or something, brother. Brother, yeah. Okay. Nice. Okay. No, I'll add those to the list for sure. I mean, they've been on my radar. I have them physically, but you know me and my track record and having <laughs> physical copies of movies and then just never watching them. But anyways, so no, love that pick, Matt. Thank you. Next one I'll go with is. Now, if we're going in order, this one would be a toss-up with the one I was going to say for fourth initially, but I'm going to go with <laughs> this one instead. Great, great uh, preamble for what I'm going to say. is a character I've already talked about on the pod, actually before you joined, Matt, and it was someone in a movie for which I remember you citing the episode that we did that you enjoyed quite a bit and that we mm. omitted talking about true romance as one of this filmmaker's movies, which would be Django from Django Unchained. Nice. Love this character. I mean, I, I still remember watching Django Unchained for the first time. I went to HMV at the mall and bought Pulp Fiction, Django Unchained, and Glorious Bastards. Just wanted to rip those Quentin Tarantino movies. Like That was kind of my introduction to those movies. And I was hooked from the start with that theme song starts playing with the montage of Django and all the other slaves walking through the mountains and the desert. And then him getting freed by, um, what's his face there? Christoph Waltz, Chris. Dr. King, King's his name, right? King Schultz. Anyways, and then I just love the journey of the character from in the opening five minutes, he abandons his, he's broken free out of his chains and then becomes a sharpshooting assassin through the mentoring of Dr. King Schultz. And just how he goes through the world where um, there's obviously oppression going on and um, vile acts of slavery and violence against African Americans through um, like from white men in the uh, on the countryside leading up to Candyland. And then him just... exerting his will and it's a classic story of revenge really and uh, just seeing him kill all the people as he progresses through the movie is unbelievable Uh, like I said I love his skills with the um the guns and just a cool character has insane drip to love his style the outfits that he's wearing in the movie is funny and yeah Jamie Foxx just charismatic in the role as he always is really and just an extremely likable character that you 
you have to root for. And it's just an incredible movie, honestly. You have these strong characters that help make it into the fantastic movie that it is. But Django is that dude. He's the guy you want to see get his girl back and kill everyone who's wronged him along the way. Like, you're cheering the whole time when he's at the end, especially there with Samuel L. Jackson. Just unreal finale (laughs) with account six shots. I count two guns, you know, like just so good. And uh, there's, there's some, a lot of great quotes in there. And uh, yeah, so Django would be my number four pick for uh, action movie protagonists. That's a great pick, Eric. I'm kicking myself. I didn't even think of any like Tarantino movie or kind of Westerns actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, my list is very good, good pick. I didn't even dwell into like the Western or war genres. Now that I'm realizing it. Like, you totally surprised me with that pick. Great job. And it's a super worthy uh, protagonist, too. Saw that movie in the theater. Freaking blew me away. Gr- Django actually is one of those movies. Gets better every time I watch it. I've seen it three times or four times now. It actually gets better, which is super shocking. Because not a lot of movies do that, let's be honest. So, uh, great, great pick. Jamie Foxx, phenomenal actor. Uh, Tarantino, phenomenal director. He needs he he he. I don't want him to stop, so he needs to do more than ten movies. Yeah, thank you. I actually want to re. Just I'm replaying scenes of the movie in my head right now, and I want to rewatch it asap. It's a commit. Like it's like two yeah. hours and I want to say close to forty minutes, maybe a little under that. But it's a long movie, but so worth it. Like if you haven't seen Django Unchained, check it out. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix right now. So take advantage of it while it's still there. Like, go check it out. It's unbelievable. One of my favorites of Tarantino. Like I'd be top three for me. Honestly, years ago, I, it would have been in the bottom of my Tarantino rankings, really? but it, it goes up there every time. His movies age so well too, Tarantino. But anyway, that's another discussion. My number four action hero is someone we'll be talking to a little later, actually. My number four is Ethan Hunt, okay. cool. played by Tom Cruise. When I was building my uh, film collection when I was a teenager, when I was 15, 16, one of the first Blu-ray sets I bought was the Mission Impossible Trilogy, because that's what it was at the time, 1, 2, and 3. And I watched those movies a lot, fell in love with them. I'm also a massive Tom Cruise fan, so that really helps with likability of this character. Um, I like seeing the evolution of Ethan Hunt in every movie. Um, he's totally different in 1, 2, and 3 than he is in from 4 to 7. No, just a great character, funny, charismatic, great, like, under pressure. I mean, look at the, in the first one, is iconic scene in the first one when they're breaking into the CIA and trying to steal that, like, microchip or whatever the plot is in the first one. It's been a while. In the second one, he's super badass. Peak physical Tom Cruise shape in the second one. But we'll talk about Mission Impossible a little later. Ethan Hunt's one of my favorite, like, protagonists in action movies. Awesome. Well, well, I'll touch more on him later. Okay. What do you think, Eric? Nice. Well, uh, to save some thoughts for later as well, I'll just say it right now. Like, I have not seen all the Mission Impossible movies. My introduction was actually Ghost Protocol, so the fourth one that I saw in theaters. And I have not seen one, two, and three. So I'm still, I feel like, missing a lot of vital backstory on this character. And obviously, when we talk about Fallout or Dead Reckoning Part 1, we'll touch on that but yeah so i'm missing a bit of back like i said background on ethan hunt but i've been a fan of the character in every movie i've seen him in always some good twists with him and um always in control like he's 
never really caught yeah. off guard. Like he's always got his own plan that he doesn't share with everybody, and uh, usually comes out on top. So uh, no, Tom Cruise, like just the fact that he does all his own stunts too, right? Just naturally mm-hmm. elevates that character into an upper echelon that a lot of the other like, and not to tip our hats at maybe other picks down the road, but like a Bond, John Wick, and Bourne, who are all amazing characters, but. They're not doing stunts to the extreme that Tom Cruise does with Ethan Hunt. It's so impressive. I struggle to say which one is the the craziest one that he's done, and I feel like he's <laughs> there's more to come too. So just unreal. Oh yeah. Spoiler alert: He makes it through Dead Reckoning Part One. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, great pick, Matt. Great pick. Thanks. So with my number three pick now. I'll go with, like I said, what I was going to say for number four. It's someone, again, we've talked about not too long ago, a few episodes ago with our guest Justin Mochtinger, would be Caesar from the Planet of the Apes movies. Mm. Again, now we're really looking into the fantastical. Like This is 100% impossible that we're going to see a talking ape. But Caesar, from Rise of the Planet of the Apes all the way to War of the Planet of the Apes, which, again, I want to rerun with that trilogy again, always fires me up when Caesar is on screen, seeing his rise all the way to the um, closing of his story in War of the Planet of the Apes is unbelievable. I've talked about his leadership. I actually watched a quick clip just to refresh my memory a little bit of him in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and his the final fight scene at the end of that movie with Koba. And there's a lot of stuff I picked up in that quick scene, which was like three minutes long when they're fighting in like the skyscraper area with like all the construction and you see the mirroring between Koba's selfishness and taking power, literally taking power, not being given and asking for the respect of your peers by through your actions, but really just imposing your will over others and telling them like, I'm your leader. You're going to follow me because I'm this strong, formidable ape. Whereas Caesar leads through more of a democracy takes more of a democracy approach and listens to his apes, is intelligent, thinks before he acts. And when all the debris starts falling down on the apes while they're fighting, Caesar immediately stops the, to fight and tries to pull debris off of the apes and help them out. Whereas Koba, this is a, a quick, quick scene you might miss. He picks debris off an ape to take the gun that's under the debris and then drops the debris back on the ape, either injuring it or killing it and giving no regards for the ape that had the gun around him. And he goes on a killing spree, kills apes, just trying to get to Caesar. And like, that's their big code, right? Ape, no kill ape. Mm -hmm. Ape, not kill ape. And that scene at the end is always gold when Koba's hanging off and asking for Caesar to lift him up. And then Koba throws in his face like, ape, not kill ape. And then Caesar just stares him down, Koba, not ape. And then just lets him go. It's just electric. So that's one of many great moments. Like he preaches teamwork as well and working together, like ape stronger together. There's a lot to learn from him, honestly, which might sound crazy to say there's a lot to learn from a talking ape, but he is advanced beyond his years and, um, his intelligence is supreme as showcased in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. So no, I, uh, I he's inspiring, like I said, an intelligent leader. Caesar is unreal, and Andy Serkis just nails that performance every time. Strong recommend if you haven't seen those movies. So good, Caesar. 
Great pick, it, great pick, Eric. It's it's like a it's a hidden gem pick. I love it because he's not a human. Like where I was obviously only thinking about like freaking human beings here, but freaking to pick an ape, a super intelligent ape in a super successful trilogy. We just talked about it with the Justin episode. Again, you shocked me. I never, I never would have thought this would have made your list. So good stuff. I'm due for a rewatch on the whole trilogy. I've seen the first one so many times. The other two only once, mm. once or twice probably. Great, great pick. You do learn a lot. You know when he grabs the sticks in the first one and he puts them all together and he tries to bend them and he's like apes together strong. You know, just that moment. That's yeah. in the first one too. The the yeah, weakest nice. of the trilogy. Like it's, it, uh, great, great, great pick, Eric. Man, it's actually you and me chills talking about Caesar. You two just now, honestly, just that the stick thing is so unreal. Like, it's a trilogy that doesn't get talked about that much, and I'm I'm happy that they're actually keeping it going. I don't know if you know this, but there's a fourth one coming out. It's called Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, and it's in that same universe. Now, I worry to in a sense because we're not going to have all the key players that we had in the original trilogy, right? But I still think that if they follow the blueprint that the originals laid down, keep adding to that recipe, it could be very successful. But, you know, we're uh, missing a top dog there. So, it's so, me too. I've only seen War for the Planet of the Apes the one time. And I remember Woody Harrelson just absolutely hated his character, but such a good villain though. And like that, when we talk about some villains in that episode, like if you can make us hate you that much, like you're doing a great job. So No, good stuff. My number three, going from serious like your pick's a very serious badass character mine's a little more cheesy however well i'll just say it mine at number three i have john rambo played by sylvester stallone stallone's one of my favorite actors for action movies just in general i really like the guy like i really like his movies is he the greatest actor in the world no is rambo a great character yes in my opinion the first movie, he's in a tr- he's in a franchise with five movies. The first one called First Blood is a 10 out of 10 masterpiece in my opinion. A legitimately good movie. Not all action. It's more cat and mouse, stealth warfare type things. You know, he's being chased for all the wrong... Like, he's being unjustly chased by the cops. And it's a phenomenal movie. The next two in the franchise are super cheesy. But, I mean, I think they're kind of fun. Four and five are very brutal movies. Violent intense gory and he's really good in them in my opinion so you got five movies you get some character development in there but it's more stallone just being stallone you know like saving the day being a total badass taking down a hundred taking down a lot of bad guys this is like my comfort food pick this is the perfect thing to throw on when i don't know what to watch it's just cheesy great action you know it's it's 80s action at its finest is what this is so, uh, yeah, John Rambo at my number three. So, Rambo movies, again, a franchise I'm not extremely familiar with because I've only seen the first one. And I remember loving it. Like, I remember seeing his the gratuitous violence being just off the hook. And, um, you know, obviously, I've, seen, I've watched Rambo. It was like a year or two ago. So, obviously, you know he's going to make it all right. But just how he yeah. go, goes about, like, overcoming these seemingly impossible odds and just 
yeah, going beast mode against all these people is just, it is fun to watch like the over the top and unbelievable violence there. It is cool to, to see. So I definitely, I love that pick honestly. And like, that's what you want out of an action movie. I've really come around on sometimes in movies, like when we talk about dead reckoning, some of the stuff that happens like, Oh my God, that's so impossible. Like that would never happen. I used to sometimes be critical of movies who did mm. stuff like that. But like, why this is literally what you want to see in an action movie is the over the top impossible ridiculousness action so seeing that is um yeah it's it is just fun to watch so i I love that pick nice thanks forgot to add like i'm on the video side i'm putting all of our picks Ah. along but i hadn't been doing that until now so i just had to catch up real quick (laughs) now we're back we're back on track so we're at number two now already and I could go either way on which one I'd rank as my number one, but I'm, I've decided my order now, like I did when I flipped Django and uh, Caesar. So for my number two is from a movie that I long cited as one of my favorites. And I think a movie that gets almost disrespected in that people scoff at it for some reason, when it really is, in my opinion, like close to a perfect movie, very inspiring unreal main character that'll just fire anyone up if you don't get chills when this man delivers a lot of his quotes like there might be something wrong with you and that would be (laughs) maximus from the gladiator movie oh yeah love it add that up on the graphic there if you're watching on the youtube maximus so good i mean there's the obvious like are you not entertained quote that you hear everywhere? Like everyone's seen that it's a classic gif. It's a meme, but it plays, you know, it doesn't get old. And for me, like some of my favorite interactions are between Maximus and Commodus where they're truly foils of one another, where um, Maximus is the son that Commodus should have been. And then one looks at the other Commodus looks at Maximus like, ah, like you're the reason why my father didn't love me. And um, you created this impossible standard for me to live up to. And just being very bitter, no accountability, just being a rat, really. Commodus, amazing villain, though. It's such a good job. (laughs) But Maximus is the man in that movie. You talk about leadership when they're in the pits and they have to fight the... um, I want to say it's like there's a tiger. It's been a while since I've seen this movie. Tigers or lions in the pit and they all have to work together. Like he mobilizes everyone to buy into his strategy. He's a formidable leader. So it does make sense that he'd be able to inspire and strategize in real time, making adapting on the fly to ensure their survival. But in terms of quotes that he says that I love are when he showcases his prowess in the pit and then Commodus actually comes down and he asks him for his name. He just says like, my name is Gladiator, mm-hmm. and then turns around like, "How dare you turn your back on me, slave!" And then he turns around and gives him the whole, the long speech, which I'm not gonna read, but I wrote like the end, which always fires me up. Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. And just always chills. You know he's gonna yeah. get him too. And that I feel like I've already said this on the pod. But one of the most satisfying villain death scenes of all time when Maximus <laughs> just lays a shit kicking into Commodus after he 
stabs him in the ribs before going out for their 1v1 mono e mono fight in the Coliseum. <laughs> Just uh, that is kind of um. A microcosm of who Commodus is. He's a slime ball. Will not play by the rules and play play dirty essentially to ensure his own victory. And not a character you can respect. Whereas Maximus is the epitome of respect. And I love how the story ends too. It's perfect. If in the hands of maybe another director, it ends a different way. But there's a lot of uh, darkness in this movie, and there's some brutal scenes. Let me tell you, like the stuff that he has to endure with his family. And, um, yeah, I just love his journey from being a, a commander to a gladiator to a champion to someone who finds peace. It's just unreal. And, yeah, he's one of my favorite characters. Russell Crowe always uh, pumps me up in that one. Wow. Did not expect to see Maximus. I didn't even think of Maximus to be, let's be real here. I didn't even think of him. Um, I don't know why. Russell Crowe at that time, when in 2000, I think the movie came out, was like at the top of his game, the biggest, one of the biggest actors. Hell, he won an Oscar for this role. He won two in a row, actually, I believe, for this and A Beautiful Mind. Um, he was phenomenal in this movie. The movie itself is perfect. It's the score, the Hans Zimmer score in the movie. He did the score. It's amazing. I could play it in my head anytime I want. It's great. You gave me chills again reading that quote. I like the full quote. It's like a mini paragraph, but it's so satisfying to see Joaquin Phoenix's face, Commodus's face, when he finds out who it is. Like, what? He's not dead? Great, great pick. There's no one more badass than Russell Crowe in Gladiator. Like, at that time, that was like the apex of, for any historical movie or like period piece, like that's, he's the best. Um, Ridley Scott is amazing at making those movies and I can't wait to watch Napoleon with Joaquin Phoenix because I'm hoping for some badass moments in that movie too so uh great pick Eric never expected to see this on the list today which is you're surprising me you're surprising the hell out of me which is great <laughs> maybe this pick will surprise you uh my one and only female character on my list um I said I wouldn't do sci-fi or fantasy this is my cheat this is, she's in a sci-fi franchise. She's in four movies. My number two is Ellen Ripley from the Alien franchise, played by Sigourney Weaver. Um, I first watched Alien when I was very young, loved it. She's not necessarily the badass in the first one, or at, at first when we meet her in the first movie, but she slowly be, has more courage and becomes who she will end up being in the in the franchise in the at the end of the first one it's really number two aliens where she shines and she's a badass and she's escorting those soldiers back to the planet and she's warning them let's not do this but anyways extremely badass in number two alien three and alien four it's just like more she makes those movies are not necessarily the best movies but sigourney weaver weaver makes them watchable and her character has some really iconic moments in those I just love the strength of her character and the fact that, I mean, in the first one, she doesn't get bullied around by any of the macho guys. In the second one, same thing. She kind of takes control after all the soldiers are like super clueless about what to do and are kind of like scared out of their minds. No, I just think Sigourney Weaver is a terrific act actress and it's because of this character, Ripley. Look no further than in part two, the scene where she jumps in the giant robot and starts fighting the alien queen with this giant mechanized armor suit yep. and says like stay away from her you bitch <laughs> yeah, so defending good. the little girl but uh anyways ripley is too iconic not to include on this action movie list 
she'll always be remembered for this role and it's going to live I'll always be remembered. So that's why she's my number two. And yeah. I love that pick, Matt. And I debated her as well, honestly. But I haven't seen... Like, compared to the other movies, I haven't seen Aliens specifically enough. I've seen it once in full. I I can remember watching. And then another time, I want to say, on TV, I caught, like, more than half of it. I've seen it at least twice in that sense. But unreal. And I've seen Alien quite a few times, though. But great movie and great character like you said there's a big shift in the franchise where the first one i would say is like a horror movie and the second one is a full-on action movie is that not ridley scott too directed the first one so a nice little back-to-back symmetry if you will in our picks so love that pick and uh, yeah i can picture with the flamethrower against the queen mother Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I gotta spin that one again. So it's been a long time since I watch Aliens, and uh, I need no commercials this time. So, good, good, good pick. <laughs> I'm curious who your number one is. I have an Thanks. idea, but I'm not a hundred percent. All right. <laughs> so, I'll uh, I'll go with mine. My last one actually has been mentioned already. So that would be John McClane from Die Hard. <laughs> That's my Whoa. that's my guy for action movie. Die Hard, first of all, is one of my favorite action movies, if not favorite, honestly, because it hits all those marks for me. The action is great. The acting is great. There's humor out to wazoo, and the story is just interesting. It's and I feel like it's shot well too. I'll just say that to round it out. The five yeah. fingers of death, right there. John McClane, like I didn't want to say too much earlier because I didn't want to keep some stuff for my number one pick. But again, if we're talking about quotes, another one that kills me is when he's on the phone trying to call for backup and the woman on the phone says, sir, this line is reserved for emergencies only. No fucking shit, lady. Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Always kills me. I love that line. It's so good. That's the thing. I've, I said it earlier in the pod, but the lines always hit. And I watch this movie once a year and I'm never disappointed. John McClane is badass. He's a quick thinker too. And I love seeing someone come from a different setting into an unfamiliar territory. Like they keep referring to him as a cowboy, right? Like who rolls into town, saves the day from the gang of whatever outlaws or however you want to call them also featuring a great villain as well hans gruber one of the goats in my opinion but john mcclain mm-hmm. in my opinion <laughs> is a stronger protagonist than an already incredibly strong villain which for me that that's high praise you all know this i'm a villain guy but john mcclain yeah. takes the cake and for action movies and again i'll talk about unrealistic scenes that I might have scoffed at in the past when he's in the elevator shaft and hanging on by like the the strap of his machine gun and then the strap gives out and he drops down and is able to hold on into a little ventilation shaft. Absolutely impossible. Like your fingers cannot muster that kind of grip strength unless you're a seasoned rock climbing veteran and have chalk on your fingers. Like that ain't happening. But you know what? You just, you accept it and it's unbelievable. It's unreal. 
Love to see it. He has uh, quite a few great fight scenes in there too with um, Dolph Lundgren's character. I forget his name. It's escaping me right now. When they fight, uh, an extended fight scene too. Just brutal. And as he's going through Hans's crew, like there's some hilarious kills in there. Love to see it. Good quotes. Like when he's yeah. interacting with Hans over the phone or the, um, the walkie-talkie. Yeah, I mean, and there's something about also I just want to highlight... I like seeing characters in movies go through like the back ways of like buildings. So for example, an elevator, someone who goes outside of the elevator that brings you up and down and is in like the elevator shaft and you're seeing the elevators move. Like I always find that cool. They do that in Revenge of the Sith as well. And seeing like the stairs that only a maintenance crew would go into or going on the roof of a building like that is always pretty cool. So just want to highlight that as well. A lot of great action scenes and a lot of them happen in that kind of setting. So those kind of settings. So yeah, John McClane, number one. Wow. Love that pick, Eric. Uh, But yeah, like the setting is almost a character in the movie in the first one. Like that building is awesome. Quotes you said, like I love his interactions with the cop. The patrolman who like he tosses the body on his car to get his attention just him like curling up his toes like his bare foot in the carpet is like son of a bitch he was right <laughs> yep, exactly. and taunting <laughs> taunting hans with like having the dead body and like now i have a gun and like now there are only how many of you left and, and like you see mclean's thought process throughout the movie too like counting how many guys are writing the names down like hearing the names on the walkie writing them down like he's figuring this out as we are too it's it's great even some of the Hans's crews hilarious too. The interactions with that, I uh, I don't remember them like I can't quote them, but I remember like laughing a lot. It's a ten out of it's a masterpiece of a movie. So, uh, but no, Eric, you need to check out Die Hard Three because Jeremy Irons is almost as good as Hans as the villain, and it's a super good movie. Samuel Jackson's in it; he's great too. You don't you can even skip number two. So two is good; it's just not as great as one and three. Uh, but good pick, Eric. I did not expect that as your number one, but I love that it's your number one. Um, you think you know my number one? I'll give you three guesses. Okay, well, if you're giving me that many guesses, I feel like I will not be able to guess it. Um, no, nah, you might. Yeah? Okay, well... Oh, it's not a dark horse pick or anything. Okay. Well, I'll just say, I guess, maybe people that I was considering that I did not include on the list, so I'll go with and try to make them make sense. I'll guess... James Bond as one. N- n- incorrect. I'll go John Wick. Incorrect. <laughs> okay. Last one. <laughs> I mean, there's so many options here. They're all racing through my head. Think me as a teenager. What would I have watched? Okay, well, now that brings me to a potential good fellas. And now with that, nah, that wouldn't be action. Though. Would that be action? I don't know. No, so, no. It's an action movie. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well... I mean, I don't want to keep the waiters listening too long there. Dean, I feel like I'm probably blanking on something big. Optimus Prime. (laughs) (laughs) If the movies were better, maybe, but no. Uh, When I tell you, you'll be like, oh, of course. But so my number one is Neville Longbottom. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Okay, my no, for real, my number one. One of my, I love this actor and I love this franchise. Well, the first three at least. But my my number one is Indiana Jones, oh, man, played that's... by Harrison Ford. <laughs> I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, and Last Crusade so many times as a kid. Love those movies. There's nothing to me that 
in the action genre more iconic than Harrison Ford as Indy, be it like in the temple in the first one with the boulder or on that rope bridge in Temple of Doom at the end, you know, he's all torn up, bloody. He's got people on both sides chasing him. He's got his machete. That's iconic to me. And in the third one, like the tank chase scene and the scenes in the ruins at the end with the Nazis, that's like nothing more iconic to me than that image, those images. Um, I love the investigating in the Indiana Jones movies, like the piecing everything together, follow, finding the clues, getting help from people, being chased by the, by the bad guys or chasing the bad guys themselves. Um, the settings in all those th first three are great. Is Indiana Jones like larger than life? Like, like nobody touches, like he's, it's a bit like all my other heroes on my list. Like no bullets hit them. They're never really truly in danger. They always escape danger. But I love that about action movies. Like you said, I suspend my disbelief. This The reason why Indiana Jones is number one is because Harrison Ford plays him perfectly and he's one of my favorite actors. He commands the screen. It's icon It's the most iconic person on my list, and that's why he's number one. He'll always be remembered for this, for this character, and as, among other characters too, of course. But uh, no, Indiana Jones is easily my number one. Freaking Raiders of the Lost Ark might be one of the best action movies ever made, along with Die Hard, actually. So, I mean, both are number ones had. The first movie in the series is freaking perfection, so... Yeah, Indiana Jones. A lot of symmetry there. Amazing, perfect first one, forgettable second one, great third one. So, and then maybe off the rails after three. Should stop there. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny enough, man, what's, this would have been crazy is that I almost put Indiana Jones as my number five. So then both oh. our number fives would have been the other one's number one. That's wild. And I'm kind of regretting yeah. doing that, to be honest, because I feel like Aragorn like, <laughs> is the odd man out in this situation. But, you know, it's all good. You can't... Uh, I played my hand. Now I got to lay in my bed. Anyways. So, great pick. Honestly, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, I agree. One of the best action movies of all time. 100% best adventure movie of all time. And... Like, there's some sci-fi in there, too. It's one of the best there. It's just such a good movie. I never get tired of seeing that movie. And, yeah, like, I strongly considered Indy Harrison Ford maybe his best role, too. Just, he was on top of the world in the 70s mm -hmm. and 80s. And I want to say even getting into the 90s, too, whenever The Fugitive was happening. That's a great movie, too. Oh, yeah. Just on a run, literally, in this case, from a boulder, and oftentimes the Nazis... <laughs> But unreal, like it's so cool, just exudes coolness in watching that character on the screen. But get finds himself into trouble though, right? Like, he, yeah, bullets don't hit him, but he's not always in control. Like, he's oftentimes playing catch up, he's dealing with other, other parties who are after the same thing as him, and he's trying to. Like I said, catch up to them. Like in the end, yes, he always does win. He's a, a winner if there mm -hmm. ever was one. Yeah, his journey is never a given in any situation. So I love that pick. And I think Indiana Jones is worthy of the number one slot in any like movie character. Like action movie for sure. So great, great pick. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, I think we both have some solid lists there. Like names that I other, agree. Other names I was considering were 
Indiana Jones. I, I wrote James Bond down. For me, that would have been Daniel Craig James Bond, obviously. He does a great job at also not being invincible, right? He also suffers physical injuries and emotional ones as well. A lot of his um, past lovers <laughs> perish in those movies. And uh, it's not always a happy ending for James for Daniel Craig Daniel Craig's James Bond, which I love that as well. Like going through some trials and tribulations. Also, I had Jack Sparrow up there, which might be an insane oh. pick. But especially Curse ah. of the Black Pearl nails it in that movie. Like that's a classic. Like a a franchise oh, yeah. Kickstarter. It's so good. Nosedive to the seafloor level after that. But Jack Sparrow <laughs> is a great character. But another reason that kind of goes against me picking Jack Sparrow is they kind of ruined his character with multi with down the line in my yeah. opinion. Like they 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 went way too far with the stuff he was saying and doing. It's just perfect. If I, I had to ISO performance for one character in a movie, like Jack Sparrow and Crystal Black Pearl, perfect. Oh yeah, just rewatched that one too last week. I saw that actually. Every every quote in that movie, me and my girlfriend are trying to recite the dialogue, but it was easy because everything's so quotable. Barbosa, uh, Turner, Miss uh, Elizabeth Swan, like they're all so freaking amazing in it. It's a good pick. I had like Aragorn, John John Wick, James Bond. Had I seen John Wick as a kid, maybe it'd be on my list. But like the the further back I go, like that counts a lot for me. Like. Uh, if a movie's aged well, basically, because we won't know that till like decades go by. But like Eric, if we would have won like every genre, anything's possible. Like yeah, like Batman, Iron Man, like it would have been. We would have made a top one hundred. Actually, we could we could have easily made a top one hundred if we include every single thing. Yeah, you know, thinking of like all these war movies that there's a badass character in, or like Mel Gibson and Braveheart, or all these historical movies, Troy, like. Achilles and Troy and stuff like that. I don't know. There's, there's so many. We just like, I just stuck with like my teenager action movie, strictly action movie type thing. But this was such a broad. Uh, this could have been such a broad list, and we, I think we represented it pretty well. We only had one similar pick. It was nice to hear your list because you like threw me for, you su- quite surprised me actually with Django and Caesar and all that. So. Good. Like I like your list a lot, actually. <laughs> Likewise, you as well. I was actually thinking that there'd be a lot of overlap in our picks for some reason. I I, I foresaw a scenario where we had like two, three same picks for some reason, but I guess uh went kind of not different directions, but just went with different franchises, which is great. Like more representation and not just saying, mm-hmm. yeah, that's my pick as well. So it, it's great to see. And great to see that there are a lot of strong protagonists in a lot of different franchises, one-off movies that people can gravitate towards. And if anyone listening hasn't seen any of these movies, would strongly recommend. And to me, yeah. like, it'll be a rewatch for a lot of them, but mission impossible. The first one's not seen. And that could kind of segue us into, I'm glad that you did pick Ethan Hunt. I didn't know if you were going to, to be honest. Like if you had to choose from those four franchises, like Bond, Wick, Bourne, and Mission Impossible, I, I thought one of them would be represented there and didn't know which way you would lean. But I like to see Ethan Hunt on there. Goes nice into our Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 recap. We both got to see it. This past, I saw it this um, a few days ago. So when did I go? Tuesday. 
and going into it had a lot of ex- high expectations for it. I, th- I saw it was getting high praise as well, like the Rotten Tomatoes score is really high. So right away you're like, all right, like I'm, I'm in for a good one, but I don't want to set the yeah. bar too high. Like it's that, it's kind of tough not to have expectations when you're only hearing good things. But I'm really glad to say for me this did not disappoint. I really love this movie. The action off the hook. It's what I've come to expect from Mission Impossible. They just keep ramping it up somehow. And Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt just still nailing it in that role. Yeah, I mean, initial thoughts would be that, Matt. Do you want to kick us off in the discussion? I was super excited to watch this movie too. I don't watch... I hadn't seen the trailer all I knew was it was almost three hours long. It got good reviews. So I go in the theater. I didn't feel the running time at all. Like I thought it went by super fast for me. I was never bored. This had the perfect amount of like exposition dialogue and then also like the good banter between Benji, Luther, and, and Ethan. It had the perfect, it had a good balance of like showing all the sides, but not going over the top, you know, not all like they had a lot of exposition scenes in the movie, but I I didn't feel like they dragged. It kept a nice flow, good villain, good uh, Rebecca Ferguson was awesome again. Like you said in your review online, uh, Haley Atwell was a welcome addition. She was great. I'm really liking her more and more. Just watched a Black Mirror episode with her and she was really good in that. Now I see her in this which was a really old Black Mirror episode, but anyways, but now I see her in this, and I'm like, man, she's a good actress. She can do more than just be in the Marvel movies, obviously. Um, no, I, I really, really enjoyed the movie. Edge of my seat, breathtaking stunts. Me and my mom left the theater. We were super like satisfied, and like we enjoyed ourselves a lot. Um, do you want to get into specifics now, Eric? Yeah, or? we can get into like more spoiler territory. Spoilers. Here. So if or... you haven't seen Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, maybe table the rest of this for later. So, yeah, love. Like I already mentioned, the action. And like I said in my review, Haley Atwell, I thought it was great. Very strong addition to this cast of already strong characters. And um, a big thing for me the whole time was like the kind of love triangle between Ilsa Faust grace and ethan and a lot of times we're being as an audience we're kind of being put in ethan's shoes in that he has to make a choice which one he wants to save like we've seen this storyline before but it did not feel old to me at all i quite enjoyed it ultimately disappointed with the choice he made i'm an ilsa guy i did feel like it would be if one of them had to go it would be her because they, yeah. they had spent so much time introducing Grace at this point. And you know what? She was fantastic up until this point. Like her and Ethan Hunt, great chemistry. And in my mind, I'm like, dude, you got Ilsa, man. What are you doing here? Like, why are you this into this girl? <laughs> but it, you know what? It's all, I can't fault him for like how choosing how he did. But I feel like it would have made more sense for him to actually want Ilsa to live more. And I feel like they moved past her death way too quickly. Honestly, I couldn't believe that. Yeah. It's like the, he finds her in the street. Like, ah, that sucks. And I'm like, all right, Grace, you want to join our squad? Like, <laughs> that'd be my, my main critique, but that kind of leads me to wonder, would they do her that dirty? You know what I mean? Like, do you think she's not dead? Maybe like, maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit. We don't need mm. to get into predictions and stuff, but that just seemed a bit odd to me. So I don't know, but all that to say, though, just to rewind a little bit, that fight scene between Ilsa and Gabriel was probably my favorite mm. action scene of the movie. Like I loved 
on the bridge in uh, Italy, swordsmanship, and uh, it was just epic. And like that whole scene, the buildup of the AI taking control and giving Ethan directions, like as Benji, was wild. Like there's a lot of good twists and turns in the movies. And I've just said it, I was all over the place there, but yeah, first spoiler thoughts for me. No, that's great. Um, I loved Gabriel as the bad guy. I can't wait to dwell more into like the past with him and Ethan and those flashbacks that we were just teased in this movie, teased at. Um, what I was, I was a little scared before seeing the movie. Like, what's going to be the next? Because in every Mission Impossible movie, there's like this doomsday weapon or super weapon or this thing that they got to take possession of. Kind of like in every Fast and Furious movie. Well, in this, they made it like a super AI thing that could control everything essentially. But I was scared that that was going to be too like ridiculous or too overpowered or something so unrealistic. But I thought they handled it really nicely in this movie. Showcased its power at the beginning with the submarines. And we kind of forget about that. And then they bring it back up later. And then you're thinking, oh, yeah, it tricked the whole, like, you go, you play the beginning again. And you're like, holy shit, this thing's really strong. I like that they made the stakes really high in the, for Dead Reckoning. And, uh, like, for the two parts. Like, this is good. Like, the end game is pretty big here. I can't wait for the second one. Like, the stakes are going to be even higher the thing with the key, like we've seen shit, we've seen stuff like that before, but I kind of like, you know, it's, it's necessary to move the plot along. So that was fine. The way all our characters bump into each other at the airport, like introducing everyone, you got like the American, the Americans, uh, the main one, Shay Wingham. Yeah. He, you see him and pop up and everything. I, that, I think that's how you pronounce his name, but like, yeah. he's great. Him and his buddy, the, the driving stuff in Italy was great too. Like driving the car through the streets and like they're, uh, handcuffed together that was a highlight to me i love car stuff now so that was great the train at the end eric what a great set piece it calls back to the first one eric the first one the finale is on a train too like this bullet train okay this was very like to me like the first one at the end where i was like okay he's like kind of paying tribute but uh topping it making it even better because this is way better action wise than the first few movies in the franchise they've just upped the stakes every movie in my opinion and Tom on the motorcycle. He's always on a motorcycle. Love that they showed it in this movie's biggest stunt, really, where he jumps off the cliff with the parachute. My mom said he did that like seven or eight times, but yep. freaking breathtaking, and you just hold your breath when that happens. Do you? What are your theories on Gabriel? Like, what do you think he's used to be a friend, or like, what are your thoughts on Gabriel as the villain? So I loved Gabriel as well as a villain. I thought he was fantastic. Very scary. Always seemingly in control. Like he said, like mm -hmm. by noon tomorrow, I will have the key in my hand or whatever. Like he's dictating the pace of when things are going to happen and how it's going to happen too. I thought it was really like bone chilling at times. Always like emotionless too. I thought he was really good yeah. as a villain. So theories are initially, I thought, when they showed us a few flashbacks in black and white, having not seen the first Mission Impossible, I immediately assumed, okay, he's from the first Mission Impossible. Turns out he is not. He was not in any of these past movies I haven't seen. I, I googled his um, IMDb. So, I think he was a friend of Ethan's. I My theory was that he used to work at, I was going to say MI6, but whatever. MIF. MIF, yeah, there we go. So I think he was a former friend turned foe or turned frenemy and then foe. 
that's my theory, really not knowing that much about how that organization operates. Like when I jumped into the franchise, all I knew was Ethan Hunt accepts missions kind of on his own with a bit of assistance from his squad. So I think back when this operation ran under the um, CIA's umbrella, I think Gabriel and uh, Ethan were colleagues. Could be completely wrong. But I don't think he's going to be the final boss because we've seen him already. He's a good... Obviously, we know he works for the entity. But is the entity going to be the last thing now that Ethan... He's obviously going to kill Gabriel at some point. And then is that going to be it? Like, he has to go into some Hmm. sort of network in the submarine and find a way to unplug everything so the entity dies. I'm not sure. But I think there's going to be another villainous presence overseeing everything. And Gabriel is going to be like the apostle for, or the acolyte for this person. And the like, it's like some sort of religion. Gabriel is like a fallen angel of some sort, if you will. So hence the name. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I'm interested to see what's going to happen. And I just want to comment really quickly before we lose track of this on Shay Wigham. Like, I swear he always plays like the same kind of character, but it's always great. Like he's always this incompetent, two steps behind, completely missing a piece of the puzzle agent for, for an intelligence agency. I just had to get that out there. It was gold. Like, even when he's yeah. talking to the other guy, and he's like, you know, maybe Ethan had a reason for going rogue. He's like, no, no, he doesn't have a reason. Like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, so dumb. But it's great. It's like a shot at the Americans, right? Like, telling them they're incompetent. Yeah. Uh, what I love about this movie, and also, like, the last, since number four, really, the set pieces, the cities they go at is incredible. Like... Love it. Like, Ghost Protocol, like, the highlight of the movie is the Burj Khalifa scene in Saudi Arabia, or is it Dubai? Anyways, my, like, I'm, my geography's poor, but that, like, since then, they've, like, had these amazing settings and action set pieces, and that's, like, really the highlight of the franchise for me in the last 10 years. And in this one, it doesn't disappoint either. Like, yeah, high chase scene is cool in the States, but, like, it's even better in, like, the tiny streets of Italy in Rome, right? Where the cars are small and they're narrow passageways, and that was freaking awesome to watch. It's a real treat. They had just the right amount of two of Benji and Luther, you know, not over the top, just their perfect amount. Luther's been there since the first movie, the only actor to be in all the movies. Other than Tom Cruise, um, I imagine. Other than Tom Cruise, and, yeah, it's... The evolution of Ethan 2 is cool to watch. Like, seeing him in this one compared to the first, like, the first the first one, it's night and day. Um, which, that's also a Tom Cruise movie. That was unintentional. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's yeah. probably one of his, wor- probably one of his worst movies, though, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, no, I, I love the character. This is a really fun movie. Can't wait for part two. Dude, what do you think of the ending? Like, there's a conclusion to this movie. We know there's going to be a part two, but it didn't leave you, like, Fast 10 did. I have seen Fast 10. That was more of a jarring, like, slam cut. Yeah. This one had a nice, you know, breath at the end of, like, all right, we can breathe now and let's take it over. Let's mm-hmm. let's get out of the next day, you know? 
So what do you think of the ending? Love the ending. Like it, it resolves itself within its running time. It's not, yeah, it's in the title. It's part one of this story, but there's a clear cut start and end to it. Whereas like you said, Fast 10 ends like really like it's a bad ending to that movie. Like there's yeah, interesting stuff that happens, but like, yeah. you don't end a movie like that on a cliffhanger of in that the way that they did there. I enjoyed what happened to a certain degree, but where they chose to cut was like a horrible decision. Whereas this, yeah. there is a finality. There's a clear cut. Okay, now this is where we need to get to in order to stop the entity. We find out that, like you said, it mirrors the beginning. This is where we need to go with the submarine. It all comes back to the beginning. I'm looking forward to watching this movie again, honestly. And I'm looking forward to seeing how part two enhances this one similarly to dune part two with part one for for different reasons but i think that stands true and there's still a lot of unknown in this movie they don't explain everything they give us a few hints and teasing at who's pulling the strings and how kind of everyone's corrupted in this one honestly but there's no finality in that sense of Kit Rich or whatever his name is, the um, the director of MIF, he's shady now. I'm pretty sure it's not really uh, not evident that he's someone we can trust. So we're gonna get more information as to how he's involved in wanting to to work with the entity or get control of it, anyways. So mm-hmm. no, it's um, a good l- leaping point to get to the next part, but like I said, resolves itself within its running time, which is like you said, long movie, but it flew by for me. Well, you said something. Okay. D- director Kittredge. He, he was actually only in the first movie. So like he reprised his role that he did like 20 years ago. So I kind of knowing that I was like, okay, I don't think he's going to be bad in this one, but who knows? That might be an ultimate twist in part two. Speaking of part ones and twos that has been a trend in the last 20 years, you know, with like, mocking jay part one and two and like movies being split into two parts to tell a bigger story sometimes that those part ones have been horrible and part twos have saved the part one's ass you know but i feel like this part one now part two has all the pressure to be even better um it's gonna be hard to top but i don't think it'll be hard to top he just has to it just has to be an epic conclusion um Going part one and two for a Mission Impossible movie, that's a bold decision, let's be real here. Like, I don't see any James Bond movie ever doing that, or John Wick. Like, for an action movie, doing part one and two, that's that takes some guts. And freaking part one was great, so now everyone's going to flock to part two. Part two is going to make a ton of money, because the first one was good, right? So, um, and I know this movie was supposed to come out years ago. Like, it was shot so long ago, actually, like four years ago. But no, I'm a, I'm really ex- big fan of the franchise. Honestly, part four, just to talk about the franchise a tiny bit, part four rejuvenated Tom Cruise's career, in my opinion. He had a little bit of a lull between Mission Impossible 3 and like 06 to the fourth one in 2011. Like, he wasn't doing the greatest. He wasn't getting the big action movie role. But then when Ghost Protocol came out, he was back. And then he's making steadily, ma- steadily making movies after that. Yeah, I mean, you've seen 4, 5, and 6, Eric. I feel like they all get a little better. Like, they escalate, they escalate. Now they're at Dead Reckoning, the top of its game, in my opinion. Like, the top, the high point right now of the franchise. So, but yeah, do you you share those thoughts too? Do you think 4, 5, 6, like, all crescendo towards Dead Reckoning? Yeah, I agree 100%. And uh, yeah, I also agree with your take on the part one 
and part two in that we've seen a lot of bad part ones or very slow moving ones where it's, it's all set up, right? Which this wasn't. There's explaining of what this new threat is, this world ending threat is, and good action in there, build up towards finding it. Where it's if we're to compare it to Deathly Hollows, for example, part one and part two, where the objective is to find the three weapons to create to make one master of death. Deathly Hollows part one moves at a, a glacially slow pace, and this one we get movement ultimately starting ironically in a glacier starting from the depths of the submarine to the end we get there but we have more information we don't have all the pieces that we needed like we have the key i guess we have the key by the end of it so we have we end up in a similar destination as we do in deathly hollows part one where all of the um deathly hollows have been identified and i'm talking about harry potter and we know where they all are for the most part. Anyways, maybe this comparison is crumbling before me in my before my very eyes, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and yeah, it's uh, I think part two will deliver. Honestly, I have no doubt in my mind that they're gonna nail this finale to the storyline. Like I said, I don't think I'm not convinced that Ilsa is dead though. I just want to get that out there. Hmm. Went out too unceremoniously, honestly. And we've seen characters like in this movie as well. The Paris character also got stabbed in a similar spot, I want to say, and survived. So we'll see what they end up doing there. But if not, I mean, we have Grace at least to carry the torch that Ilsa once carried. But Ilsa is a way better ally to have also. She's trained strong and an assassin that's another thing that sometimes seemed a little bit odd in that grace is able to hold her own against trained bodyguards yeah. and security I, it, it, they didn't make her overpowered though or anything they they did make her look clumsy and like really be um using survival instincts to kick and claw her way out of these situations but she just doesn't have the formal training that an ilsa faust has and i was a big fan of her with the eye patch too and the sniper i thought that was a solid look (laughs) and just badass so we'll see what happens there for sure i what you highlighted uh mantis i mean paris's character (laughs) she was freaking badass uh palm i don't i can't remember her last name it's so long but she's canadian so she was freaking awesome interesting did not know that yeah she's from montreal or something like she has a french canadian accent so Mm. Don't quote me, but I'm pretty, I'm like 90% sure. And when Gabriel's like, you will betray me, you'll do this. And then like stabs her or something. Yeah. That was intense. It was. But no, good movie. Uh, can't wait for more or can't wait for the second one. Did we have anybody uh, submit um, on Instagram, Eric? We just, we got one submission from your mom, Matt. So Tom Mary, she submitted oh. John Wick as action. Oh, movie protagonist which she seemed very interested in the topic when you posted that story she like gave me a whole list actually okay you have others but john wick yeah she's he she loves john wick maybe because she loves keanu reeves a lot um but uh, no john wick's a great pick that john wick if we do this 20 years later maybe he makes my list because you know there's like seven john wicks by then and they were all good and they aged well maybe he makes the list he's a little too maybe stoic for me at the moment like 
Yeah, the fourth one was great, but like his lines are no, nowhere near John McClane level or, you know, the other ones, Maximus. Like, let's be real here. It's more the gunplay and the martial arts that are the top, like the the attraction in those movies. Um, his charisma level is not the highest. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are my thoughts on John Wick. No, you said it all perfectly, honestly. I was looking at John Wick as well as in terms of badassery, someone who's like on God mode cannot be killed in these seemingly impossible uh, odds in shootouts. Bet the house on John Wick coming out of there alive. Like, there's no way a random henchman or even a trained... What is, what is he called in John Wick 4? Bill Skarsgård. The Marquis? Even the, the, Marquis, the yeah. strongest of assassins have no chance against John Wick. So, I don't want to say it makes for a... Um, predictable outcome what's going to happen but John Wick there's good odds that he's always going to make it out alive and like you said he doesn't really talk much which that could be a part of the appeal right that he's this silent less is more all business badass but I do enjoy a good dialogue um, provider in an action movie protagonist and uh, obviously some humor as well which he definitely lacks in that department for me, but his kills and um, creative ways of taking down people is second to none. So John Wick is a yeah. great pick for that. Yeah, she likes her action movies. Like, oh, we think we've gone to see the last. We've seen all the Mission Impossible's together, and I can't remember if I've seen three in the theater. Probably not. I was pretty young, but no, she likes her action movies. Nice. Did you want to talk about the other Mission Impossible or just jump into random recommendations? Well, Whatever you want. I mean, I don't have too much to say on the other Mission Impossibles other than okay. 4, 5, 6. I, I enjoy them more each one as I went through those movies. Like, 4 is really good. Like, yeah. 4 I saw in theaters, actually. And I enjoyed uh-huh. the crew there. Jeremy Renner was solid. And I like the set pieces there, too. Like, in the desert... The uh, Burj Khalifa suction cups climbing up there was pretty like, yeah. unreal, but love to see it. Lea Sidhu is in there as well. She did her thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a solid movie. And then Rogue Nation. I remember I was like on my computer at the same time, so I feel like I need to run that one back. But it had some okay. good twists later on in the movie. And then Fallout, I think, was my favorite one. It might be my favorite one, honestly. Oh, yeah. I think I enjoyed that more than Dead Reckoning Part 1. Henry Cavill. Mm-hmm. I was able to call oh, one twist in that movie, but there are others that just kept coming. And you're really unsure who to trust the whole time amazing action in that one yeah fallout was fantastic like truly that that was a one that was one that was hyped up for me for years and that people couldn't believe i hadn't seen it yet and said like oh you're gonna love fallout and it did not disappoint so now i have to run back one two and three that's my uh, next plight for those movies fallout is incredible just the helicopter stuff at the end Mm. is top notch and tom actually did that that's crazy and I like I like Solomon two and five and six. Like he's like a nasty little villain. And I- Ilsa's introduction in Rogue Nation is awesome. Like the scene in that the opera house or art house or whatever. Like the whole like through the the, the sniper scope. Like I remember scenes like that. It's been a while, but I remember like a nice, anyways, beautifully shot movie. One, two, and three. I I think. Four, five, six, seven are, are are better action movies than one, two, and three. 
one, two, and three suffer more from like the times, like. But you'll see when you watch them, we'll talk about it some more. Okay. But they're really of the times of when they came out, and four, five, and six, and seven are more like crazy stunts and action like it's on another level you can't really compare them but yeah we'll talk about that another time i'm curious to know your thoughts though because they're, they're they're still good movies um did you want to jump into just other recommendations then now, yeah or? i can do that i have a ton of stuff that i've been watching lately shows movies and i'll go with one movie to start that is on netflix that was on netflix they took it off and now it's back on that i finally got around to watching which would be the nice guys starring russell crowe ryan gosling mm. great movie honestly it's kind of a a dark comedy kind of drama as well that you follow these two private investigators that are hired to um find a missing woman who well like, there's a lot going on honestly like, explaining the plot might even take me too much time to do but I would say go in as blind as possible, which is why I'm not, I'm not even going to attempt to explain the plot. But it's pretty straightforward once you're in there. Like, private investigators hired to, uh, to find a woman. And then there are more players that enter the game. You travel along. It's a set in the 70s, I'm pretty sure. And I love everything about the setting in the costumes, the, the colors, how it's shot to it, had a truly old school feel to it and how the cuts are made when they're just driving around the city and then they're turning a corner and the camera changes angles and you're seeing the car turn the corner from another angle. Like, I don't know, there's something about it that just brought me back to an era where I wasn't alive but could picture the movies were made that way. So it was just cool to see. And it's very funny. There's a lot of funny moments in this one. And I cited it in my review as like one of the funnier movies of the 2010s would love to see more movies like this it was russell crowe for me that made me laugh more everyone was talking about ryan gosling i thought he was great but there's something about russell crowe's dry delivery and just the violence in violence for humor always hits for me and he packs a punch in this one let me tell you so i definitely recommend the nice guys on netflix yeah, when I saw that you rewatched it, I decided to rewatch or you watch it, I decided to rewatch it. It's it's a great movie. Not buddy comedy because they're not buddies, but it has that feel like the banter. The banter is amazing. You said it like it's what makes the movie and what moves the story along. Is it a little convolu- convoluted at the beginning? Maybe, but it all ties together at the end. Everything is like brought back. Setting is great, like you said. I love when they go to that like party. And Ryan Gosling's daughter comes to, and I'm like, what is she doing there? But it's hilarious. Quick paced movie. Like, it's, it's, there's always something going on. Russell Crowe is freaking, he's a great actor. An amazing actor. Way better than Ryan Gosling will ever be. Well, maybe that's not fair to say, but Russell Crowe is a great actor. He's a little past, like, the spotlight in this, and when the movie came out, like, he was more like 10 years before that, but he still can still deliver. Uh, I, I was I was gonna mention the movie too and say like yeah it's 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 aged really well, good stuff Eric. Um, there's another one on Netflix that I watch I hadn't seen. I didn't go to the theater or anything to watch this and it popped up on Netflix, and it's called Nobody with Bob Odenkirk. This movie did not know what to expect. My mom watched it. She said, "Ma, we need to. I'm gonna rewatch this with you because I think you'll love it." And I did love it. Like, I love it. I really, really liked it. It was 90 minutes long, not a wasted moment, just 
action, intrigue, and a great performance by Bob Odenkirk. And that's all I needed in this movie. I didn't need anything super complicated or over the... T like, in this little world of this movie, everything worked and it was really good. It had shades of, like, The Equalizer and all these other action movies. But you know what? It worked. It was... It did not overstay its welcome. It's a fun watch. Quick watch, which is important. And it's weird seeing Bob Odenkirk in this role, which kind of like keeps you interested the whole movie because you're not used to seeing that. So Nobody, it's on Netflix. It's really, really good. Eric, I recommend you watch it. Okay. Have you heard about it? Yeah, I've definitely heard about it. It's just funny to see like, from what I remember seeing from the trailers is it has maybe shades of John Wick. Like it is an action movie mm -hmm. over the top where I want to say this retired, some sort of operatives operative or covert op or whatever used to be in this life and now people come for him and he has to to fight them off to protect his family i'm just going off what i vaguely remember and you're getting over the top action would be which would be funny to see bob odenkirk deliver for like he's an older man not really in shape and must be curious to see but i've only heard good things about it so your recommendation is that extra stamp of approval yeah. that i needed and i don't have much going on tonight so maybe i'll throw that on in the the mix tonight who knows right on do it it's so quick such a quick watch so my next one would be there's a few i could go with i'll go with another one like a not a movie a tv show that has been on my list for a long time very hyped up and while i have this streaming platform i want to take advantage of everything that it offers it was your number two pick in our best tv show draft which would be band of brothers finally got around to watching that i had started it years ago but never finished it and um, i just fully committed to this and it did not disappoint again amazing series very intense obviously you're recalling there's real life events that happened in this in this uh, mini series and you're getting testimonies from the veterans who are talking about what their experiences were like and then you're cutting back to the action the acting is unbelievable so many actors you recognize from different things and i love how they told the story too you're not necessarily following one or two characters the whole time you're kind of shifting one episode to the next who we're following and their perspective and different role in the war is kind of like again microcosm of everyone else's experiences this you're following this one battalion easy company but there are a bunch of easy companies around europe as the war was happening and you can imagine that similar things were happening within their platoons and all that so all these different personalities different roles pressures crazy action to dark times and yeah so definitely strong recommend band of brothers i feel like it's something you could rewatch as well one of my friends has seen it quite a few times and who knows down the road i'll probably spin it again because i was having a hard time following who was who because a lot of them looked similar honestly it was really mm -hmm. hard to remember like okay is that picante and there's a few that i knew who they were because they visually look quite different than others and obviously your your captain winters and nixon those two are very easy to know like what their names were but others like those are quite a few that look very similar so it's tough to say but yeah yeah really good strong recommend band of brothers awesome i rewatch it a lot but honestly i never rewatched the last two episodes because they're too devastating yeah. in my opinion and hearing the veterans talk is just like 
it's just so sad and like it's too much sometimes and especially the episode where they liberate like the the concentration camps it's Ugh. like disgust it's, it's morbid there's some great moments like the baston episode like five and six i think when they're like in the snow great great stuff like when they get there and they see the line of soldiers coming out of there and they look like ragged and dead and they're like and they pass the lines past each other and then they're come, going in there and it's like oh oh it's it's a great show great miniseries yes they all look the same under their gi helmets but uh no i'm glad you watched it eric that's awesome i kind of want to rewatch it now the show i've been watching is not as intense or powerful as uh band of brothers I'm just continuing along with The Witcher, the first part of season three. I think five episodes were released, and the other five or the other ones at a later date. I'm sure we'll talk about this more in depth, maybe when the two parts come out. But The Witcher season three, part one, just very, it's very much so an appetizer to what's to come in the next part. I got a nice taste, but I wanted more. And then episode five ended, and I was like, okay, I want to see more now. So it was a nice, like, uh, preheating the oven for what's to come but like it was frustrating because i wanted more after the last episode ending so that's the witcher season three uh did you start that yet eric i did i'm actually all caught up so i'm ready for the next wave there's three episodes left so those are out next okay, friday three. at the time of recording and yeah i'm enjoying the season like i don't want to say too too much but it's getting a lot of hate online which i'm surprised right. at yeah. but i think it's because People are more on the Henry Cavill side of things because they mm. deviated from, I guess, the books or video games or whatever. I don't know. Like, yeah. nerds, you can have your games and books. Like, I'm enjoying this for, for what it is, and it's it's solid. Like, exactly. No problem with it. Yeah. No, exactly. I don't, I don't even know the source material, so I'm enjoying it too. I just... I'm enjoying it so much that when it just ends, I'm like, okay, I want the next three episodes out now. Um... But yeah, no, I've I've been enjoying. That's that's the show. I'm. I mean, I gotta pick a new. Sh I'm still doing Black Mirror as well. I think once I'm done Black Mirror, all six seasons, I'm gonna do like highlight that my favorite episodes. But that's a show, honestly, that I'm loving, loving Black Mirror. Nice. Like I just watched the Jesse Plemons episode. Oh yeah, that was great. Or <laughs> the Star Trek esque episode, I guess I call it. That was freaking hilarious. Yeah. Like that was great. <laughs> That was the Loved first episode it, so. I ever saw no. of Black Mirror. That's what got me into it. It was, I think that's season four, yeah. season three or four. Yep. And then I went back and watched them after that. But you know, Plemons, <laughs> the guy, he continues to surprise us all. Am I right? Like he, he's in the next like, yeah. Scorsese movie. I watched the trailer I, kind of not against my will. I didn't mm. want to, but it was playing in theaters before Mission Impossible. Then there's the knock at the door and Jesse Plemons is there. I was like, of course he is. Like, this guy. <laughs> so good he's gonna win an oscar one day he will win an oscar one day I, i'm not even joking he's that like prominent right now in the industry he got robbed for the power <sighs> of the dog <laughs> <laughs> he was good in that movie he was I, good in it i couldn't finish it that was like just a yeah. slog to get through 40 yeah, minutes was. i called it quits uh, it's another yeah. the trial of the yeah. chicago seven all over again <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Um, what was I going to say? So just quickly show another one I'm watching Secret Invasion. Have you started that, Matt, on Disney Plus? Uh, I've seen the first episode. Do I need to continue? Yeah, like it's all right. There's honestly <sighs> nothing special. I think now there's one episode ah, left. There's 
no way they end on such a bang that makes this become a must-watch show. I think they're doing some things well. Other things are a bit underwhelming. Piss-poor villain, in my opinion. And it's really not as different as it could have been, which is unfortunate because the premise is something we love in Marvel when they go down the spy route. And the story they chose to tell Mm. again, which has been the theme with these Marvel shows is just a bit underwhelming. Yeah. It's definitely a turn though. They're not going the goofy comedy route in this one, which I'm appreciating. And there are times where I'm like, wow, this is really a different way to shoot a Marvel show. But then they go back Mm -hmm. to some of their old ways with, I don't know, maybe un unrealistic in a bad way. Stuff that happens cheesy, campy. I don't know. Yeah. it's not going to be on my list of top shows of this year, that's for sure. But anyways. I was just going to say, if they, have, if they had done this 15 years ago, it may have been a better show. Because, But we've seen so much, so much content ahead of this that this has to be different, differentiate. It has to like stand above the pack. And I feel like nothing's stood above the pack recently. It's all formulaic cookie cutter stuff. So... I don't know, Marvel's... I, I know we can listen back to an episode where we're all, like, gushing over the new Marvel announcements, but if we can go back and be like, yeah, yeah, this stuff is not going to be that great. Like, I don't even know if we'd believe ourselves. I know, it's wild. Um, I have gone back and listened. It's, it's wild. It's jarring. Yeah. The youthful innocence well, we expect, voices. Yeah, we expect great things from them because they've delivered the last decade, but now in the 2020s, it's been very lackluster. But yeah, we've talked about that so many times. We'll we'll jump off that. I haven't. I've been watching a lot of rewatching a lot of movies too. I mean, the other movie I watched was Fast Ten. I'm sure we'll do a trilogy recap when they all come out. But it was a f- entertaining movie. I wasn't. I was never bored watching this movie. It kind of ended on a like you said, too much of a cliffhanger. And I, I enjoyed Fast Ten. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, it was like a guilty pleasure, like fun ass movie, cheesy. I love those types of movies. It set it up well, I guess, for 11 and 12, but uh, good comfort food movie. What do you think? Agreed. I enjoyed it a lot. I, thought, I think it was better than 8 and 9. I think them mm-hmm. making two more of these is crazy, though. What are we going to do? Like, We can't stretch this Dante storyline <laughs> for two other movies, am I right? So, I don't know. I also I don't, don't want to spoil anything, but I straight up called quite a few things that happened in this movie. Two Two things that were supposed to be big twists. I saw two of them coming a mile away. One I did not, which was near the end. Not the one that would have ties with Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. That, okay. you know what I'm talking about, the end end? That I saw yeah. coming in that whom would be a part of that situation. Saw that coming, but me it was the twist. And anyways, I, know I hate talking in riddles. We'll just talk offline after, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The last thing I'll I want to recommend is something called Puck Doku. Have you heard of this, Matt? It's like a daily puzzle on that you can do on your phone. Puck Doku. Never heard of it. So it's basically a small grid, three by three, where in each column and row there's a team, an NHL team, and you're supposed to find a player that's played for both the teams where they intersect. So vertically, you'll have three teams and horizontally, you'll have three teams. And you try to find spot a player that'll fit in each box in there. 
So it's a fun. Cool. I've been doing this for the last few weeks. It's tough. Trust me. There's sometimes I'm like, there has never once been a player in the history of the game that's played for San Jose and Columbus. It just has not happened, but apparently it has. So when you're done and you only have nine shots too. So once you make one mistake, you can't get a perfect grid. Uh. So me, if I'm on a, a quest of maybe I'm on a nice run of five for five and then I make one mistake at six, five for six then I start losing interest. I just rapid fire some shots off. Like I do try to get the best score I can, but if I'm on a nice run, it gets ruined. Then I, I lose the motivation. I want to get like eight for nine or whatever. So it's fun though. I, I'd recommend it. And there's oftentimes a column where it's not a team. It's like a player who scored 40 goals for this team. And then horizontally you have ah. to play, put a player that's done that for that team. You know what I mean? So it's a lot of fun. It, it, it's a thinker though. There'll always be like one or two okay. spots that are easy. I got someone, but there's a few you're going to really start to imagine things. Trust me. I imagine that <laughs> I convinced myself that Kimo Timonen played for Philly and Colorado. He never played for Colorado, never played for Colorado. So yeah, your mind plays tricks on you. That's cool. Yeah, it's it, like a hockey Sudoku. I like it. Exactly. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, I got nothing else to recommend. I've been fairly busy with a work schedule change and watching baseball every day, so that eats up my time too. All right, well, no, this been a, went long again on this one, but a lot of stuff to talk about. So next one, we'll uh, just give a quick tease if we stick to the plan, which I think we will. We'll do a Oppenheimer and a Christopher Nolan movie recap. We'll talk about more of his movies, not just Oppenheimer. So I'll be prepared to speak on those. And my take, I just want to get this out there before we go see it. My take on Oppenheimer was that I think it has the potential to be a letdown. It's not going to live up to the hype. Now, at the time of recording, people have started to see the movie. And I'm only hearing good things. So my take might be in jeopardy. And you know what? I, I hope I'm 100% wrong. I hope I love this movie. And I hope that the next time you hear me talk about Oppenheimer anyways, that I'm pleasantly surprised. So that's my thoughts on Oppenheimer going into it my thoughts are it's not going to be like his highest high but it's going to be better than Tenet and like the last few better than Dunkirk and Tenet mm. yeah yeah I, I could definitely take. see that I haven't even seen Dunkirk honestly well you'll have to get on it before next week <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly that could be another one too down the road actually war movie pod but we'll see I'll keep that oh for the, sure we'll keep that in the chamber for sure Matt, um, great job again. Love your list. And like I said, if anyone hasn't seen any of those movies, go check them out or just rerun them, I think. Watch the, the Planet of the Apes movies again. Go through the Aliens catalog. <laughs> Indiana Jones. Actually, I haven't seen the new one, but I'm looking, I do want to see it. So yeah, Matt, any final notes for the listeners? No, just thank you everybody for listening. Uh, I enjoyed doing this episode with you, Eric. Your list was great too. A lot of surprises on there. And I hope everybody got some good recommendations too. So thank you all and hope you're having a great summer right now. Agreed. So yeah, thanks a lot everybody for listening. Stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. Continue to stay safe. <laughs> Love you all. And yeah, peace. It's that autopilot with the stay safe.